0: Welcome to the Transcending Sport Podcast with Rob Cruz. An audio experience bringing you interviews, conversations, and more from some of the most intriguing personalities in the sports world. And now, your host, Rob Cruz. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Cruz. We are at Transcending Sport. Episode number sixty. My guest is Dr. Rick Pauly. I, I gotta call him Dr. Rick Pauly. <laughs> uh, Doctor. <laughs> he, he is a pitching coach extraordinaire, well-known, uh, highly sought-after pitching coach. And I want to welcome Rick Pauly to the show for the first time. How you doing, Rick?
1: Well, Rob, great to be here. Uh, I, I guess you better you better tell your people I'm a softball pitching coach. I'm not a baseball guy. I know you, you transcend both sports with your hitting uh, baseball and softball. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of focus on the softball side.
0: Oh, that's good. So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, I wanted to kind of talk. So we go, we, go, we go back. I always like to start off with, like, how I know people. Because so many people don't know who I know. <laughs> and sometimes, yeah. sometimes I forget who I know. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, I know who Some, Sometimes, know.
1: Sometimes, sometimes that's probably a good thing, you know?
0: <laughs> you're right. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. So, um, so we go back to around 2010 when I when I was the assistant coach for the Triple Pride, and I had the opportunity to coach your daughter, Sarah Pauly, extraordinary pitcher who threw so hard <laughs> with so little effort. Um, and, and that's kind of how we got we, we connected. You know, we got we got you know connected together. So um, I want you to, if you could could you start off with just just talking about how you got into pitching. And because most people get into pitching, most dads get into pitching because they throw the pitches or maybe they pitch, maybe they play fast uh, fast pitch, but you took it to a whole other level. So how'd you start?
1: Well, um, I, I mean, if I go way back, Rob, I will tell you, uh, I'm a Wisconsin farm boy and our farm property uh, adjoined, a, like in Wisconsin, there's a lot of taverns and there's a lot of tavern league softball. And there was a, uh, a tavern with a softball field, and it was all men's fast pitch at that time. I went over there every night of the week and sat right behind home plate. I was mesmerized by the pitchers. Mm. And I, to this day, I still am. When, when I go to a game, I went to a game last night when a couple of my high school girls facing each other. I had to be behind home plate. I had to be watching the pitchers. So mm. uh, it kind of started there. And then if, if you're in Wisconsin, a lot of kids understand this. You, you join an organization called 4-H.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, 4-H had fast pitch softball. I started fast pitch softball when I was probably 10 or 11 years old in 4-H. And it just kind of progressed from there. And uh, I, I got hooked up with one of my friends. Uh, this is I did not pitch fast pitch until after I was out of college, meaning I didn't pitch it competitively. And I had a buddy call me up, and said, hey, Rick, um, I'm in this fast pitch uh, team in this league up in Minneapolis. You want to join our team? I said, OK. So I joined the team. He's the pitcher. <clears throat> well, the second week, he doesn't show up. I'm the only other guy that had ever thrown a ball underhand. So all of a sudden, I'm the pitcher that night. And it just it went from there. I became a fast pitch pitcher and uh, loved it. Have had a passion for it ever since. And uh, ended up playing, uh, you know, pretty high competitive level. Uh, I always try to make this clear to people. Um, I, I ended up playing it at the highest level that there is in men's major open fast pitch. I played for a team out of Madison, Wisconsin called The Farm. Mm-hmm. When I played for The Farm, I did not pitch. I was a third baseman. Mm-hmm. I did not throw fast enough. If you want to pitch in men's major open, you better be 80 degree or 80 miles an hour or higher, and I was about 76 miles an hour. I was really good batting practice. Okay.
0: So, so from how many feet away was that? Pardon me. How many feet away was the men's fast pitch mound from the
1: place? Uh, 46 feet. 46. Okay.
0: okay. okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I
1: pitched what's called a men's. Uh, a level that's one level down from major open mm-hmm. and i describe myself as a tremendously average class a pitcher mm-hmm. uh, but again um, i i've never stopped trying to learn more about pitching mm-hmm. and and i kind of make this one I've, I've heard this on different um, you know chat sites and, and things like that that people believe that you have to have been a pitcher to be able to instruct pitching and it's, I don't know if there's anything almost farther from the truth. Some of the best pitching instructors that I think that I know mm-hmm. never pitched a day in their life, but mm-hmm. they are on a quest to learn everything there is about pitching. So and you probably run into the same thing with your hitting. Mm-hmm. You know, some of your best you know uh, pupils were probably might have been a slow pitch player, you know. Not nothing wrong with that, but uh, they were student. They were students of the game, and that's what separates, you know, the old saying that separates the men from the boys. Are you a student of the game? So
0: let me ask you this. Let me ask you. Uh, so you have a daughter, Sarah. Uh, obviously, you, you, you tore her a few things. She goes on to play professional softball. At you know, and did she she played for also. Am I, am, I, am I right about that?
1: Yeah, she played uh, with three different teams in Japan. Three different, actually four seasons, three different teams. Uh, just retired uh, a year ago, May, uh, finally from pro softball. Retired uh, out of the uh, Japan Pro League, the upper league. And uh, gosh, lo and behold, finished very strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what
0: are, yeah. Some um, what are some of the differences? Because, um, I, you know, it's, it's crazy to me when I run into people like you who always talk about the men's practice game. Yeah, um, I was always so immersed into into the sport of baseball, and for me, softball would have been like the ulti- for me to even play softball would would have been like the ultimate like you better not ever play softball. Like for, for me, that's kind of how I was kind of reared in, in, in my baseball mentality. Yeah, but um, what's the, what are some of the differences in that you see in terms of the way a man can physically move? if there are any, and the way that a woman can, can physically move, that when you teach the game, you teach it, you're teaching it differently if you are. Like what, what are some of those things?
1: Yeah, well, I, I've heard that, and I think I've answered this one 100 times to other people. Yeah. Um, mechanically, no difference.
0: Yeah.
1: It, the, the only reason sometimes it looks like there might be a difference Men are probably they're physically stronger and they're definitely physically stronger in the upper body. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. men actually get away with poor mechanics better than a female would. Mm -hmm. So a female, you know, mechanics, 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 that's that's what that's why a young lady will become good mm-hmm. guys can overcome that a little bit just with brute strength. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you watch the men's game, just like in the women's game, you'll see a, a real myriad of technique and style in the men's game. You see it also, mm-hmm. I mean, probably more so. And again, it's just because sometimes they can, uh, they can overpower things just because of, of their strength. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, um, I took a little foray and used to go over and teach uh, men's over in, in Denmark. I was brought over to work with their junior men's national team. And the things I taught young ladies here are the same thing I would teach guys over there. The only difference is in the men's game, you get the crow hop and, mm-hmm. you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I I almost refused to teach them how to crow hop and I had <laughs> I had to give in and, you know, they're guys and they get to do it and we don't, thank goodness. so.
0: Yeah. So, so let me ask you this: So you got, you know, you got fast pitch. Up. So I was—I always thought that pitching was something that you had to start at the age of six, seven, eight, nine. You know. No. Uh, when, when you're te- so what when when you're teaching, what's the youngest age age you taught? Start beginning 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 with a, a young pitcher. And then, you know, what's the oldest that you've told? When somebody has never pitched, you met maybe you met a girl who's fifteen and said, "I want, I want." All of a sudden, I want to pitch. How is that? Yeah. How is that going to be different? Because because in hitting, like I, I can meet a I can meet a player. I've had kids that came from hockey to softball at fifteen, and gone on to play power five, and have been great. Uh-huh. So, in in, in, in pitching. Is that something that you see a lot often or is that something that you don't see a lot or
1: uh i'll I'll give you a a little yes and no youngest i probably is eight year old Mm and uh you know i I start with eight years old um i I actually uh worked with a uh, young lady i think she was 40 when she started trying to learn how to pitch okay okay Mm -hmm. here's what i will tell you the teaching methodology the progression that you teach would be the same for a 40 year old as it is for an eight year old. There's just there's some foundational things that you just you can't skip over them just because somebody's older. Yeah. Uh, can, can a young lady become really good if she doesn't start pitching till, let's say she's 14 or 15 mm-hmm. instead of eight or nine? Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <clears throat> do you I'll go right. I'll jump to this one right here. You know, mm-hmm. when Sarah was growing up, we lived in in Phoenix, Arizona. And, I mean, you play ball year-round because you're basically almost in Southern California. That's where you end up living because mm-hmm. that's where you play every weekend, right? And, you know, kids out in the West Coast, they, they kind of specialize early, like way too early. Probably at the age of 11 or 12, you know, parents got this, you know, stars in their eyes. They're going to all pitch for UCLA, so they got to be base, or softball pitchers only. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, a real issue or problem because here's what I will tell you when I moved to the East coast, we moved from Arizona to South Carolina and now we're up in uh, Virginia. Um, What I found is kids started later Mm -hmm. in in their whole progression. When did they start pitching? They also didn't focus on pitching only until probably they were 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. I found in on the East coast, Kids played three sports in high school. Mm-hmm. Kids on the East Coast were better athletes I was, than <laughs> the kids on the, on the West Coast.
0: Before you said that, before I, I didn't, I didn't know that that's where you were going, but I was yeah. going to ask you that question next, and then you went there. So let me just ask it. Yeah, I'd, I'd like you to, i like you to go further, and I like to talk about this. When you look at a pitcher's athleticism, when you look at athleticism, when you evaluate a pitcher as an athlete first. As a mover, a really good mover, second. Wouldn't it be so much easier for that for that player to be, be to be a, a very good pitcher just because of the fact of that they have those things going for them athletically and 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 movement wise?
1: Oh, Rob, I couldn't hardly think of anything that's more important than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said this again a million times. Look mm-hmm. at me—I'm pretty old, so I, I've said a lot of things a lot of times, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But. When I was coaching college softball, people would ask me, "Well, what do you look at when you, you know, when you walk up to a game and you're going to look at a pitcher?" The first thing I look at, does she move like an athlete? If if she doesn't, if she sort of moves like a robot, it's possible I'm just going to fold my little tent and walk away right away. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be way more difficult for a let's say a a less than athletic young lady to become elite to become a P five kind of pitcher. If a young lady is an athlete, she can start late in life and she'll pick up on things pretty quickly. Hmm. You, You just, you know, again, that whole three sport kind of playing stuff in high school, you learn how your body should move. You make your body move. You learn how to start, stop, you know, accelerate, decelerate, change direction. Uh, you know, move from what are, we call it proprioception. Do you feel your body in space? Mm-hmm. Athletes do; mm-hmm. non-athletes don't. When you when you go to a game and you see an athlete, you see it in hitting when they r- move like Herman Munster, like you know, like a robot. I am not going to. It sounds horrible, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time. Yeah, it's going to be
0: a, it's going to be a lot more difficult for you to develop that athlete who moves. In, in that robotic way, and, and yeah. I, I call it like they they're, they're not as fluid as they need to be. They're more drip, drip, drip. Yeah. And yeah. we look, we're looking for that fluidity in their movement patterns. And yes. when I identify that, it lets me know that there's going to be a limit to how much I can, how far I can take them. Exactly. There's going to be a limit. So what you know, and and being able to undo that is very possible, but it just it takes a whole lot of work on both the part of, of us as the instructor and on the part of the athlete as well. So I, I definitely feel it. I definitely see that um, in, in, in my day-to-day with, when I work with my kids too. Um, so now let me ask you this question because this is something that comes up a lot. And on the baseball side of things, this discussion comes up a lot. You know, do you teach... Well, like In baseball, you know, the, 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 this, this comes up, why aren't enough guys throwing hard? Or the guys who do throw hard... Why why do they throw hard? And a lot of times, just because we allow them and we encourage them to throw hard and we let them figure it out and we let them explore and let them figure out their fields, like what you said, proprioception, um, and allow them to be able to have a little bit more and gain a sense of self-awareness as an athlete at a very young age. Hey, just go throw hard. So now in softball, some may say, Let's learn how to throw strikes first, and then we'll work on velocity first, second, and then somebody said, "No, let's throw hard first, and we'll figure out how to control it second. So, what do you think happens? Do you, do you, do? You, so, my, I guess this is this is a this is deep because do do people start throwing for control and then they don't let loose and they never really understand how to throw hard? Would that be a hindrance? Like, what's your philosophy on what comes first? Throw hard or, yeah. or, throw, 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 or throw, throw strikes?
1: Well, I'm going to give you a third. Okay. There's nothing more important than your mechanics. Mm-hmm. I, I get all kinds. Of, I'll pick on dads. They'll mm-hmm. look at me. You know, it's like the first or second lesson with a kid. Uh, what drills can my kid or not? Not drills. What can my kid to do to throw faster? Mm-hmm. And you know what that dad is thinking? He's thinking, oh, man, I, my kid's got to start using a weighted ball program or I got to attach mm-hmm. 11 different rubber bands on her and stretch her and yank her and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'll look at him. I say, if your kids mechanics are good, she's going to be able to throw fast. Or, or as fast as her body limitations will allow her.
0: Right, right.
1: So she's going to throw fast. If yeah. her mechanics are good, her location is going to take care of itself. It's going to be good. So the mechanics or speed and location ought to go hand in hand, but it's because your mechanics are good.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. Well, um, you know, I'm going to give a little plug here, Rob, because, uh, you know, you and I both uh, are pretty uh, in tight with the 40 motion people, the motion mm-hmm. sensing people. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just, I'll go back, you know, just when I thought I knew everything there was about pitching, I got into 40 motion and, and saw how the body really, really did move or the sequences or the speeds it moved at. Mm-hmm. And so I think I took my knowledge of mechanics to a whole new level and now I'm able to pass it on. and. You know, in baseball, why, why do guys throw faster? There's been a big increase in speeds in baseball. Okay, I mean, nowadays in baseball, if you don't throw 95, you're nothing, right? Nothing. It's all got to do with, I think we both know this, it's the offset of the hips and shoulders, mm-hmm. and in baseball, it's layback of the arm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: In softball pitching, it's the same. same. It's the offset between the hips and shoulders, the stretch you get, the acceleration you get out of your offset, and, in softball pitching, our layback is arm whip.
0: So let okay? Me, So okay, so now let me just say this. So I I definitely agree with you on 4D motion and how when we when, when when I got my hands on it, it was able to show me things in a hitter and a thrower that I never even considered, yeah. was was contributing to velocity of the, of of a thrown ball or velocity of, a, of of the barrel, like I, or acceleration yeah, yeah. of the acceleration of a barrel. So so being able to to, to uncover those things that I, we could never know, we could never see that with the naked eye, we could never see that with video. You could never right. know how fast the pelvis is turning. You could never know the degree of separation that that that's happening. You, yes. you can you can never know that without measuring it to the millisecond. We're talking, people, we're talking, and, and, and there's there there are consistencies. And when you look at the people who throw the ball hard and the people who hit the ball the hardest, what we're able to detect. So for the life of me, it, it really, it, I wonder why. And and, and, and your, your, your question, you answered it. Like Major League Baseball realizes that if we're gonna get people to throw harder, we have to be able to find out why they're not correct so that we can help them to get the body in a, in, a, in a position to move in the way that it generates more velo it moves in a way to generate more bat speed which moves in a way that we hit balls harder as as hitters so once i started figuring that out i knew that everything that i thought i knew was just theoretical
1: yeah well it, it does it it, it either it, it puts a seal of approval on things that you've always thought and taught mm-hmm. okay it, you there might it might dispel a few things maybe you've thought and taught but it will it will show you some things you never really considered or true. maybe didn't put enough importance on true so really really interesting I'll, I'll give you you know mm-hmm. I'll get off on a rabbit hole but I'll give you a tangent here on on the 40 motion mm-hmm. I measure I mean I measured you know hundreds of kids with it and yep. there there isn't one kid that's they're not identical. They all have little differences on their pelvis velo and their, you know, chest velo and their offset and stuff like that. Here is the one common thread on all of my kids that throw fast. It's arm whip. Okay, without arm whip, you have a hard time throwing fast. And here's what you'll find is kids that have a long extended mm-hmm. straight straight arm, their velo coming into the release is around 22 to 2300 degrees per second. That's angular velocity, right? Mm -hmm. And they're probably, and if they're really, really good, they're going to maybe pop 62 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. If you took that same kid and you put a bend in her arm for arm whip, instead of 2200 degrees per second, you're going to see something closer to 3000 degrees per second. Mm
0: -hmm. And you're going to
1: start seeing 65, 66, 67. You can't. You can't see that and appreciate that with anything other than something like the 4D motion sensing. Okay. I sound like I'm doing an ad for 4D here. Yeah. You know. but Obviously, you and I feel stro- strongly it's, about
0: it. It's true because I, I can't. Like, so, for example, I can almost guarantee somebody before I even meet them. When you come in here, we're definitely going to improve your, your, your bat speed by at least five to seven miles an hour on the spot within 15 minutes. Yeah. I can almost guarantee it every single time. Because I know what I, I know what I know and I know what you don't know, and I know what I'm about to show you. And once I, once I, once I show you this and figure it out, and we make these little adjustments, bingo. because your limitations are based in your movement patterns. Your limitations are based in your movement patterns. So now that we know that, now that we're, we're saying that, we're professing that. Um, now, how do we get because my, my biggest challenge right now and one of my biggest dreams is that softball would embrace technology. Uh, half as much as, as baseball actually does.
1: Yes. I think so. Uh, baseball I, I think. The leader.
0: I, yeah. Golf, golf, golf we, is actually, we, golf is actually light years ahead of everyone.
1: Yeah. We all follow golf. It yep. all starts in golf because that's what golf. money is. Yeah. Yeah. And then it goes to baseball and, and softball. We're kind of, you know, we're catching up. We're playing catch up, but yeah. Um, yeah. I wish, I wish the uh, technology embrace would uh, hit softball a bit harder. We're, we're, we're there. We're, we're, you know we're the companies that make the technology they start in golf then they go to baseball then they come to softball and because from a marketing standpoint you know the dollars are in golf and then in baseball and then in third place is softball
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it, it sometimes takes the tech companies a while to develop the products that that we need in softball
0: that's true that's that's very true mm-hmm. um, so now what are some of your favorite so when we when we look at the 4d software and I, i'm not sure if everybody understands uh, exactly what 4D, 4D motion is that we're talking about But it's um, 4D motion is um, it's, it's 3D motion capture and, and we're taking Accelerometers Basically little small accelerometers I have have mine right On the floor Right below here Hold on So this is <laughs> this is a sensor. We're doing we're doing a commercial right here. <laughs> here we are. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta call. Uh, I gotta call CEO Chan and, and everybody to let them know what we're doing. Um, Sing, tell, tell saying you, you should get your, pain, Sing, your pain yeah. yeah. So this is the c- accelerometer, right? And yeah. basically, the, um, we, we we use a uh, different configurations of d- a different number of accelerometers, and we place them on a different pr- parts of the body. It's normally always pelvis and chest, and then we can add. From pelvis and chest, we can add on to the arm and the wrist and and the torso and and the and the, uh, and the, the bat and the and the bat to be able to yeah. see the sequencing um, and, and and the speed and the speed gains in between the sequencing. But what's what's even important is that we're we're measuring the transition and we're measuring the deceleration. There and most and, and when I when I talk about deceleration, uh, Dr. Pauly. Um, when I talk about deceleration, people look at me sometimes crazy. Like deceleration, you want to decelerate? Well, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not. I'm, I, I would love to explain it, but I'm always talking about it with my kids. Like my kids understand that. My parents are very educated; they understand that. But yeah. I want, so they hear me all the time. But I want, I want, I want you to give us your take, and just I want, and I want to hear what you have to say because maybe you might say something like, "Hi, I never thought about it like quite like that," but. Being able to see the deceleration in front of you on a on a, on an app happening in front of you in three in three three in three D, what does that do for you, and how does that help you to understand where you have to go with a, with a player?
1: Oh, it's it's amazing. Um, right. I actually, well, I got to put a plug for Fast Pitch in my online university, but yep. I have a course in in the speed uh, course. There's a uh, a whole section on acceleration and deceleration. The transfer of energy
0: hmm.
1: you know as coaches we all fall into this flaw or mistake everything we're doing is you got to go faster 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 well that's acceleration right well that's great that's how you create energy to transfer energy you have to decelerate and and that's like that blows people's mind what you slow down to transfer energy yeah but it's rapid deceleration and uh in pitching i'll give you an example um you know we you know we we have this metric the metrics on deceleration and in pitching we're we got a sensor right here on the arm
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we're seeing how fast does that arm decelerate just prior to the ball release hmm. and it's absolutely amazing you can have two kids with the same angular velocity going into release the kid that decelerates the fastest is going to throw the fastest.
0: Hmm. Well, it's, yeah. Um, deceleration well, well, is everything. And, and to your point, b- because a Lamborghini can accelerate so fast, a Lamborghini has better brakes than every other car.
1: Yeah, it has to.
0: It has to have a better brake system because that's the reason why it can accelerate and go so fast. Like it's just <laughs> it just oh, makes so much yeah. sense when you really think about it. And um it is. and so when i started to, when I started to to understand uh deceleration and movement mechanics even more as I got into 4d motion and I could see it okay so you're decelerating in sequence so I'm almost like right now I don't, the transition is okay because i I know that different players are gonna transition differently, but you have to decelerate in that in that in that in that sequence, even in if you,
1: sequence. right you're even
0: right. if even if you don't even if you transition out of sequence you must decelerate in sequence.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's 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 more important than a transition. I have Absolutely. a lot of kids that trans, transition out of sequence. So do I. You know, meaning in, in pitching, it's that would be your shoulders closing, starting the closing before your hips do. Mm-hmm. But if their hips can catch up and get ahead of the shoulders and then they decelerate, then your shoulders decelerate, then your upper arm decelerates, then your lower arm decelerates. That's your sequence. That's your all. Sequence. Big mm-hmm. fancy word. That's your kinematic sequence. That's right? your
0: kinematic sequence. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So,
0: on, on on the deceleration uh, end of it, it's funny. Was when I when I did a lot of pitching, I did a lot of baseball pitching. I, I did some so I did I, I was a softball pitching coach. Most people don't know this because there's like a whole generation of people now that don't know what I did from '98 to 2005. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> because they weren't the kids. The kids weren't born yet, right? You know. So. Yeah. But I, I, I did a lot of fast pitch uh, softball lessons. Um, we we um, Biomechanics at that time was not a popular thing mm-hmm. for the masses, but everything that we did from 1997 to now has always been about biomechanics. So all this stuff that we're talking about now is nothing new to me because this is what I've been doing. Yeah. It, it, may, it may be called something different, but in terms of like, like we said we said uh we said we called it body lean in now they call it forward bend yeah. <laughs> right yeah, so well, you I know it, you it, it, probably, it's something different yeah yeah I'm we, sorry.
1: we followed followed the same path okay yep. i mean i i think i've known this i think i've been teaching it
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, we've just kind of upped our game now we can see it you know in milliseconds now we can you know, measure
0: it. yeah absolutely you know we're in, before, in yeah. degrees
1: per second you know and and so and I think one of the big keys is I think we talked about this when we were at the NFCA convention. Was mm-hmm. it's one thing to have all of this technology. That's one thing. Yeah. It's it's another thing to recognize. Oh, that's not as good as it needs to be. Well, that's one thing or second thing. The third thing is how do you correct it? Mm-hmm. That's where the rubber meets the road, and you know that's road. where. That's where we are at You know And and, and I think We know the corrections
0: So now And I think that's what makes That's what makes This is what makes Technology Scary for some people Because technology can be Humbling for you If Because technology Could make you Have to reconsider What you're teaching Exactly. So now, if, if if I have a feel, if I feel like technology isn't going to agree with me, maybe I'm good. I I I don't want I don't want technology. I'm I'm okay. I don't need to. I don't need this. I don't need something to tell me what I'm doing or what I'm not doing. I'm I'm I'm, I'm good enough. And that's where you get in trouble, because yeah. you have to have a level of humility to even allow technology to, to, to guide you and assist you, and just knowing that you know. I just want to now know that. Will, I, I, just this, to know, I just want to know that I know. Yeah.
1: This will this will sound a little jaded and everything, but I think <laughs> if 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 you're a coach and and your curiosity has waned and you're not curious anymore about anything new and exciting, I think you ought to get out of coaching. Because here's here's where you're going to be, and so mm-hmm. many people are just going to pass you right by mm-hmm. if they're curious. Okay. If they just have a quest to never stop learning, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know what, uh, you, you kind of led me into something else that we kind of, we kind of did, uh, when we are at the NFCA convention, I saw you do uh, some presentations live yeah. on, uh, on, uh, the pitch tracker, the diamond kinetics ball. Yep.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. And, uh, I just, did a, I just put a course up in my uh, online university about it. Again, a lot of people are using great tool. I mean, great tool. But you have to understand what the numbers mean. You have to understand if the number is a good number or a bad number. And if it's a bad number, how do you correct it? So okay. kind of just what we said with the uh, so, 40 Motion product.
0: So, the, the, so I, as an industry, I believe that we have to get past... The assessment level of what technology does, because yeah. technology is twofold. Okay, there's there's a, there's, a, there's a twofold process. The threefold, actually, a threefold process: assessment, intervention, reassessment, intervention. It, it's it's literally a feedback loop.
1: Every
0: it should never end.
1: Yeah,
0: where where we getting stuck as an industry, as so- softball as an industry? And this is not everyone. This is as an industry collectively, because there are people who are actually in that loop, right? And the people who aren't in a loop. So, what, what what I'm finding is, and and, and what I love, I, we need to, go, and I, I want you to talk about it because you you said it. I get this question: Is that good? Hey, your bat speed is is um, is is 57. Is that good? So. There are people who can swing 70 but in a game they swing 64 65. Yeah. There are people who can swing 63 but in a game they're 58 59.
1: Yeah.
0: So you have what is your capacity or you have what is your your max number. But then you have what you can control. Or, or what I, you know it's it's an efficient it's an efficient bat speed or an efficient velocity so and everybody's different because just because you swing 59 miles an hour doesn't mean you're not a better hitter than the girl who swings 64 yeah if you have better control and you're more efficient with your 59 than the girl who swings 64
1: sir the the analogy i use on that rob yes because once in a while i get crazy and i'll do some hitting lessons too you know i mean yeah it takes takes a crazy person, right?
0: <laughs> okay, go
1: ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. And uh, and one of my big uh, things, of course, I measure uh, exit velo. That's mm-hmm. that's big. Yeah. Okay. And I, I tell my kids, um, I think it's more important the time of launch to contact because who has the who has the greatest exit velo in softball? A great big three hundred pound slow pitch player, but if you took that swing into fast pitch you would never succeed because you would never get the bat to the ball in time, you know, because they they reach way back into the next County to load Mm -hmm. up and swing and their launch of contact time takes forever. But boy, when they get there, that bat's traveling. So
0: I I think you, I think you can, you can, you can swing harder, the slower the pitching, which is the reason why T work, people are hitting these max numbers on T. Oh, what's, what's your, what's your bat speed? Was that a T? Okay. What's your bat speed if I'm throwing 64? Whole nother, whole nother, whole other, whole other conversation So, um, so now What are your, what are your favorite metrics Like if you had to pick three metrics in pitching That could, that can give you a projection Of a, a player who's 15, 16 years old You want to make a projection Okay, let's say 14 years old And somebody says, hey, I got, my daughter's 14 I think she's got something I got, She's got some potential You know, I like to take a look at her what would be the telltale metrics that would give you some insight into okay potentially this is where she could go if she had the work ethic to do it here's where she is where we can go based on these three metrics and and what would be the way you would measure them would it be for motion would it be a radar gun would it be uh what would that what would that look like
1: okay uh first of all Anybody that knows me knows I might be the biggest metrics geek that ever walked the face of the earth. <laughs> That's why yeah. I asked you. That's exactly why yeah, I have a, I, asked a, you. <laughs> I have a performance measure sheet on every one of my students that, I mean, it's longer than 10 arms.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so here's the three metrics that if you're just picking three speed, mm-hmm. spin, location. OK, and so somebody says, well, what's the most important? Uh, God, they're all important. If you want to be a high level. You no. Know, if you want to be a P, a P5 level kind of pitcher. OK, and, and I measure all of them and I use I let the data that I collect kind of do the talking because every dad wants to know eh, my kid D1 material. I don't take them over to my wall where I have every kid, their speeds, their spins, their location scores, you know, kind of all ranked. And I'll say, "Well, here's where your daughter is on speed. Let's say you she's fifty six I said, mm-hmm. "Let's go up here and look and say, What are these kids up here in my yellow group, which means they're sixty three or higher? Oh and by the way, look over here. Here's the names of the schools that these kids are going to. Look down here where kind of where your daughter's at there, there aren't any names they're 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 younger mm-hmm. if you If you can foresee your daughter going from fifty six to sixty four miles an hour." She's got a chance that somebody's going to like her, some college coach. you know. Well, speed's important. There is no doubt about it. We talked about it. OK. Of course, your mechanics are most important. Your location. If you can't hit a spot consistently, it doesn't matter how fast you throw the ball, you are not going to be successful. okay? And then put in the third component. Uh, you can't just throw straight and fast. Mm-hmm you got to make a ball move. Mm-hmm. And so spin And you know, that's, you know, if you came to my place, you'd see on my wall, I've got a stalker radar system and it shows their speed on every pitch they throw in practice, every speed two tenths of a mile an hour. I think that's important. Okay. I'm going to be busting out my DK ball or my old rev fire for spin, spin direction, spin mm-hmm. axis. I want to know if that ball's coming out of their hand correctly. And then I have all kinds of location scoring, uh, charting that I do. So, mm. those three metrics tell a story. They, it really does, you know. Now, it'd be great if the kid, you know, was you know the strongest, most fit kid in the world. It'd be great if they're athletic. It'd be great if their body moved like an athlete. They're, those are all important things, but they all kind of compound up. And if you have all of those, you're going to throw fast, you're going to hit a spot, and you're going to make a ball move.
0: So now the so there we are in a nutshell. Yes. Yeah, so now I want to I want to go further with that question. <clears throat> in the pie, in the pie, if it, if you had to go a third, a third, and a third. I mean, would it be a third, a third, and a third speed, speed, location, and spin, or would it be speed forty? 50 in the other and someone in the other two were 25 or or spin because because if man I know I know I know you, you
1: know I I'm, I'm thinking of it and, and I've as a matter of fact uh, I, I was at some college games a week ago at, uh, yep. at Duke University they had some pretty good teams in there mm-hmm. and here's what I can tell you just be, just based on that one weekend and this is a lifetime of experience its location is probably 50 percent if you miss your location, I don't care what, how how good your ball moves, I don't care how fast or how deceptive you are. It's going to get hit out of the park.
0: Okay, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you said that because you know why. I'm gonna I, I stop you, and I want you to continue. It's like there, there's this video on my that I posted on my Twitter page, right? Yeah. That um, Coach Carlton Salters originally posted, and I retweeted it. And Carlton Salters is the hitting coach. Shout out to shout out to Carlton Salters. He's the hitting coach at. Uh, Uh, university of tennis uh, university of texas at san antonio utsa yeah okay um really good hitting coach and he put up this video of it was a a, a, just a a a, a compilation of all of the home run balls that were hit in the Clearwater tournament like just home Uh, run balls boom 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 right and so i've been i've been i've been making my my i made my my hitters watch it and then I asked them what they saw, what jumped out to them that was the common denominator that they saw in a lot of the hitters. But then I also asked my hitters that also pitch, as a pitcher, would you see? And the common denominator is one for the hitters on the front hitter side, one bat path, right? Bat paths were literally um, in terms of like in terms of like the like a vertical bat angle probably mid 30s and up and then second um, if you're talking about the attack angles we're talking 25 and up like 20 20 and up at least 20 and up 20 to 25 20 to 30 in terms of attack angle like pretty steep but on the pitching side Rick these balls are all down the middle sure These, these these pitches are down the freaking middle Yeah, in the middle.
1: Yeah, I'm going to give you an example here. This is I mean, this is so real life recent. I told you I was over at Duke and uh, University of Michigan was there in a small little mid-major, Northern (laughs) Kentucky. And I watched Northern Kentucky play Michigan, right? And Mm -hmm. there is no way in the world, no offense, Northern Kentucky, you should not be able to hang with Michigan, right? They had a little freshman girl, Northern Kentucky. Girl did never, she never broke 60 miles an hour, not one pitch. Because I looked at every pitch on the scoreboard and I had my pocket radar. Okay. The kid hit her spot so well and her ball moved and she had a little speed variation. She shut Michigan out for six innings and then unfortunately the roof caved in a little. But it was, it just, again, it reinforced how important the location was. And then if you can make a ball move to that location. Now if you can throw it seventy miles an hour, good for you. But even more important than just raw speed is speed variation.
0: Hmm.
1: So yeah, you can let's say you can throw sixty five. If you throw a steady diet at sixty five at a hitter, they're gonna square it up, they're gonna tighten it up. That's right. But if you're sixty five and now you're fifty, and now you're fifty four and now you're fifty nine, that will give a hitter fits. I mean, as a hitting coach, you have to deal with that all the time. You you got to say, "Hey, kid, uh, you got you have to be able to read the speed as that ball's left a hand coming to you."
0: Let, let me ask you. I want to ask you something about the warm up. Yeah, like I, I I go to all of the. I I don't really go to a lot of travel ball games. Um, I, I I I I consistently when I go to a travel ball game, or when I go to a tournament, and I watch travel ball. I consistently leave highly upset. Mm-hmm. I'm, I just leave. I just leave upset, and I and I usually go on a rant. I call somebody on the phone and I rant for like an hour.
1: <laughs> on, the drive, on, the, on the drive home, I'm like, uh, I can't I, believe I what just I just, how just many saw. Times I've done that.
0: <laughs> so it, it's not good for me. It's not healthy for me. It's not good for my my own my own mental health to even go to travel ball games. I would just rather hear about it. You Guys, let me know how I went. But when I do go. Um, you know, I watch the I watch things differently than most people watch. I see things differently, obviously. Um, and when I watch how pitchers warm up, or I e prepare for the upcoming game, and I know that everybody's an individual, so there may be some things that some people may need th- twenty minutes to warm up. Some people may need thirty minutes to warm up. True story: when when I coached pro ball, and we had to play against the Tennessee Diamonds. I remember one time we uh, we got in, and I got to the field really really early, for early BP for the some of the some of the hitters, and we had to play Tennessee Diamonds. And I see Monica Abbott doing this entire um, workout routine. Like she wasn't even in uniform. She's like in, a, in shorts, a tank top, and she's like sprinting. She's working up. She worked up three sweats. So I'm thinking to myself, oh, she must be, this must be her day off. <laughs> She's definitely not playing. Yes. Monica's not pitching. Yes. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> right. So I'm like, I don't think, I don't think Monica's pitching. <laughs> you know, because I just watched this girl do a whole 90 minute workout. Lo and behold, she goes and takes a shower. Persona uniform guess who's pitching Monica. Okay, right so uh, and I, and I'm saying that because I don't I don't feel that I I think at the travel ball level especially cuz that, that's where you know and I'm talking travel ball because that's where we are I mean that's that's our that's our that's a, there's a bigger uh there's more people playing at that level there's more travel ball players at that level I probably have more listeners that are travel ball parents and travel ball Enthusiasts and coaches and stuff that are listening to this podcast I don't think that enough Pitchers In inning one When they throw that first pitch they're actually ready to pitch
1: I would agree with you uh, And, no, I and, think and, and wh- thinking-
0: why is that? Why is that? And how do we change that? And wh- what 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 do we do?
1: Yeah uh, You it's Well, it, it starts in your warm-up. And warm-up doesn't mean that you have a ball in your hand and you're warming up. It it means kind of what Monica Abbott did. Uh, you, you really, you're warming up your body. That's your first thing you ought to be doing so that you're getting your muscles elastic. You're doing some dynamic stretching. Then you probably do some static stretching. Then, you know, and you've done some running before that. Uh, you've done some... Kind of short sprint running to excite your nervous system get that mm. and to to get into a bit of a of a sweat you warm up your body what one and a half to two degrees temperature wise then you're ready to grab a ball okay i i meant i forgot to mention also you ought to be doing some kind of band work you know bring you a little band to the field and clip it on the fence and be doing some kind of uh you know jaeger velo band kind of workouts mm-hmm. okay uh then you maybe could grab a ball and uh, throw some real light underhand toss. Maybe you throw a few overhand. But then I think the real warm up starts, in my opinion, and, and I hate to say it, but way too many kids do what I call a mindless warm up. They just grab the ball and the bullpen and kind of start chucking it. And they're probably talking to the other girl warming up next to here and over here and looking at mom up here. But to me, a warm up ought to be a progression. You start up close you know, and you backward chain through the whole motion, okay? To me, as soon as your arm goes in a full arm circle, your warm-up becomes what I call really meaningful. Every pitch has got a meaning. It's going to be, I call it uh, a five-pitch warm-up. Down and in is a drop, up and in is a rise, up and out is either your rise or your curve, down and out is your drop or drop curve, and then down is your change-up. You ought to be working on, not, your warm-up ought to be, you're warming up your body. Mm-hmm. You're working on location. You're working on all the release actions of your hand and arm. And you're actually working on your body postures because pitches have different body postures. So by the time you get all the way back to the pitching rubber and throw another seven or eight pitches, you're ready to go. Okay. I, I think what you're alluding to is too many kids don't do that okay and to get in a game the first innings the worst inning and and it's like oh god why is my first inning so bad well hmm. it started in your bullpen you, your warm-up is just beyond pitiful it's I call it mindless
0: so so so, so, so should the pitcher picks a simulated inning in the bullpen because because I, because I, I believe I believe that there's a there's a physical workout there's a physical warm-up but is there a mental warm-up too I mean is, or do we integrate it and how do we integrate it how, how do you do that
1: uh well, here's what I would call uh, a lot of kids, um, you know, they're just going to throw one pitch. Oh, I got to warm up my curve. Now I got to warm up my mm-hmm. rise. Now I got to warm up my drop. Mm-hmm. They, they forget. In a game, you don't do that. You don't throw 10 rise balls and then 10 drop balls. So, I, well, you call it a simulated inning or not, when you get close to finishing your warm up, you should be transitioning. You got to throw a drop in, you know, your curve out, you know, a sequence. Up, some sequences. Your, yeah, yeah, your change up out, your rise yeah, in. Yeah. Yeah, transition because that's what you're going to do in a game. And unless you only have one pitch, then you're probably not going to be in the game very long anyhow. That's good. So yeah, whether you simulate an inning or I, you know, you you need to be transitioning and opposite corners, diagonals, and you know tunnels and all that kind of good stuff.
0: Tunnels. <laughs> Let's talk about. Sorry, I
1: open, open that. Open that one up. Didn't I? <laughs>
0: Uh, so tunnels. And, and it's kind of you know, it's funny because um when I when I talk to my hitters, like we we you know yeah, I can sit there and flip you balls all day. And I can say, nice swing, great job, right? I could do that all day. But I know that the my most successful hitters at the collegiate level are my hitters who are students of of pitching. In terms of, I have to be able to study what pitchers are doing so that I can, in my own mind, be able to strategize better and develop my own personal approach. And my approach is changes based on the type of pitcher that I'm facing as a hitter. So for me to be able to have these conversations with pitchers and pitching coaches, and I'm going to just tell you, I'm gonna, and before I go into the next question, I'm, I'm going I'm to say this. Pitching coaches... Because of the amount of video they watch At the college level And the amount of hitters that they actually watch Are probably Better hitting coaches Than hitting coaches I'm going to say that one more time Pitching coaches Because of the amount of hours That they spend watching hitting And watching hitters hit Are probably Better hitting coaches Than hitting coaches
1: Yeah, I'll I'll give you an example. I've I've told this story a million times, too. I mean, a lot of people think, you know, coaching at a P5 college, you know, like I was at Georgia and South Carolina and and even USC Upstate. They think, boy, that's really glamorous. Boy, that, you know, all they see is that hour and a half to two hours when you're on the field. But as a pitching coach, you're spending (laughs) about three solid days with your eyes crossed looking at video of the opposing pitcher and the opposing hitters, and you're, tr- you're trying to find a hole in your opposing hitter's swing. Okay, so that's why pitching coaches become pretty good hitting coaches.
0: They become very yeah. good.
1: Yeah, very, I very mean,
0: good hitting coaches.
1: Yeah. If you think it's glamorous, just you know, try sitting in front of a you know a screen for eight hours a day for three days a week.
0: On your off time, you're not you're not doing it on your practice time. Yeah. That's at then home. That's yeah. at home. Yeah. That's that's their homework. Yeah. So, so um it's tough, yeah.
1: Yeah, interesting.
0: Um to say Yeah, very, very. So when so when now back to tunneling, you thought I forgot about tunneling. So now um when I when I when I'm in the cage with my athletes, with my hitters, you know, I have to talk to them about the strategies of pitchers and how pitchers are training to get them out. So that we can reverse engineer that to make sure that we don't have as many holes yeah, because that they're looking for. And and we have that adjustability as a, as a hitter and we're putting ourselves in and We're putting our body in a position where we can make the adjustments to multiple break planes and and, 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 and things like that. So I got, I got a question about, but before I get into tunneling, I'm going to write this down. I don't want to forget it. We got to talk about tunneling. Cause the tunneling is one of the things that I, I do discuss with my hitters, but I want to ask you what pitches Pitch to contact, and what pitches pitch to misses more than others?
1: Uh, I'm pretty opinionated on this one.
0: Okay, Rob. I, I want to hear. I want to hear.
1: I think uh, if you have a if you're trying to train a pitcher to pitch to contact, I think it's because your pitcher's not very good. Not okay? very, and okay. you're just okay. you're just hoping to God that you, as the pitch caller, know. that girl's swing if my girl can throw it inside she's going to hit it on the handle okay Uh, i think pitch to contact might be the just about the dumbest terminology i've ever heard why why would you want somebody to contact the ball you're either going to get a hit or they're going to hit it near one of your players and they're going to make an (laughs) error or If you have somebody on third base, you pitch to contact, and it dribbles over to second.
0: They got to run. Okay, I got, I got you. But but what pitches are are there specific pitches? Like for example, is is the is the rise is the rise ball a high percentage pitch that's missed a lot, and is a curveball a high percentage pitch that's that's hit a lot or put in play a lot? Well, is, gotcha. is there is there are, are there are there specific pitches that are. More have a higher percentage of being missed or hit or put in play than others, or or it depends yeah, on how you there, throw
1: there, it. Yeah, there are. It's mm-hmm. pitches that uh don't hit their location. <laughs> How's that? Whether it rise, drop, change, curve, you throw your rise ball low, you know, belt high down the middle, it's going to get hit. You throw your drop ball belt high down the middle, it's going to get hit.
0: Okay, so and, we got, we got, I, mean, I, <laughs> I,
1: I do, I, I hear this one all the time, you know. I, I love, I love the rise ball, okay, yep. and I think I'm a pretty good instructor on rise ball. And I hear people say, yeah, but if a rise ball flattens out, it's going to get hit out of the park. You know what? If somebody throws their drop ball thigh high, it's going to get hit out of the park. So it's – does yeah. your ball move until you hit your spot? It's that simple. You're going to be successful.
0: That's I got you. Now, <laughs> all right, let's go into tunneling, and then we'll, I got another question I'm going to go back to. Yeah, so do so in my opinion the most important thing in hitting is probably vision because after everybody's physically fit um all the physicalities of, of what we want to focus on the most, and what we can see in terms of, we can see swings, we can see it with our eyes. We can, I can look at your swing and measure your swing. But in terms of like your ability, your 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 visual abilities, or what I like to call your visual mechanics, your pitch recognition skills, your tracking skills, and your decision making skills are the things that separate the best from the best from the best. Yep. So, because everybody's not Equal. In terms of what they're doing visually. So either our mechanics. Are hindering us. In the area of vision. Or we just don't have great vision to begin with. So now. I believe that pitching has evolved. To the level. Especially when you start getting into the higher level of of, of pitching. Pitching has evolved to this level. Where we can play. On the imaginations of hitters. And we can play on. On. Almost tricking the brain or tricking the mind And tricking the eye And being a lot more deceptive In how we manipulate Pitches and when they break And, and how late they break and things like that Because there's a decision window that a hitter makes a decision And if, and if a pitcher can make that Ball break Close enough to that decision making window You can be a really Really effective pitcher Whether you throw hard or not And in and, and that timeline You know where I'm going um, this is thing that pitchers are not doing called tunneling. So, I, I, can you elaborate on tunneling and give 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 me your perspective on, on on what it actually is? Can you define it for us? And then, can you give us some examples of um, you know how, well, how you how you do that? How you how you how you train how you teach pitchers to do that?
1: Yeah. Well, I kind of have to. You know me. I got to kind of go back and and lead into the the tunneling a little bit. Yeah. Um, you, you said something and in, in about vision being the most important when I do a hitting lesson uh, I ask a kid the first thing I ask him is what's the most important thing in hitting and of course they're going to give me uh, my exit velocity or my bat speed or da 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 and I'll look at him I say no you have to hit the ball so if you don't put the bat on the ball I don't care how good your mechanics are I don't care how good your launch to contact is, or et cetera, or your bad angle, whatever. So that kind of goes to your your vision thing, okay? Um, Now, let's go to sort of heading up to tunneling. Um, I used to do a lot of high-speed video. Uh, You know, when Sarah was in a pro league, I took my high-speed camera with me and videoed stuff, hitters, pitchers, the whole works. And I was big into launch to contact time and the reason being is, and I, I still feel that's one of the most important things in hitting, is the quicker your launch to contact time is, the more time you have to study the pitch coming at you. And, and I'll give you some numbers that I, I calculated out. I could be off by a, you know an inch here. But on a 60-mile-an-hour pitch, um, a typical high school kid, they have to start launching their bat when the ball's about 22 feet away from home plate. Your college kids are gonna be 16 to 15 feet in front of home plate. So they got, they got longer to look and study mm-hmm. and know what's going on with that pitch. So in theory, they're gonna hit it more often, okay? Well, your high level, I'm talking high, high, high level kids, and I'm gonna give you the two highest level that I ever measured and broke down, and you probably know these two, Mm-hmm. Megan Wiggins and Kelly Crutchman. Yep. Megan Wiggins had the quickest launch time I've ever videoed. Her launch to contact time, if you took it on a 60-mile-an-hour pitch, she did not have to initiate her swing, her bat movement, until the ball was 12 and a half feet in front of her. Now, you you measure 12 and a half feet in front of home plate, and you say, oh, my God, you get to look at the ball that long. That's why Megan Wiggins at one time was the best hitter in the world. Yep. Kelly Crutchman is the second fastest I've ever seen on launch to contact. And you know how good Kelly Crutchman
0: was. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, NPF hitting champion about 49 times or something, you know?
0: NPF hitting champion at the age of 38, 39 years old, no doubt. Yeah yeah so so their launch of contact (laughs) time
1: is really good Mm -hmm. their vision is they get longer to look at the ball than other hitters do yeah so now how does that play into tunneling how about this for a long answer huh your your typical pitch at about 60 miles an hour is really going to display its break about 15 feet in front of home plate so the key to tunneling is to throw two pitches. That are coming out of the exact same, I call it release angle tunnel, mm-hmm. and they don't depart that tunnel until about 15 feet in front of home plate. One one continues to look like it rises, and the other one goes down like a changeup. But that's 15 feet. That's going to fool almost every hitter in the world, except if you're, you know, up in the upper levels. You know, you know Megan Wiggins would probably say, "Well, could you get it here? I'm, you know, I'm waiting on you." OK, but that's the key is, can you have the exact same tunnel with your pitch until that ball is about 15 feet in front of home plate? Now, if you're a less than talented kid and, you know, you got to throw some great big old roundhouse sweepy curveball and some big roundhouse drop ball, it's going to display its break probably when it's about 22 or 20 feet from home plate. Well, even a high school kid can figure that out and hit it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, tunneling, let's keep it. I'm, I'm kind of fussy on tunneling. If you're going to throw a tunnel pitch, it's got to be, they got to be in the same tunnel
0: mm-hmm.
1: on the same side of the plate. Okay. And then like say they don't depart until 15 feet in front of home plate. Okay. And you know, one goes up, one goes down or, Let's say you have a, here's, I mean, your rise ball changeup is almost the most effective tunnel that there ever was, Mm -hmm. you know, on, on the inside, obviously. Okay. So let's say you could do, let's say you have a good drop ball and you have a good curve. Mm -hmm. You throw your drop ball on the outside and you get a strike, whether it's called or swinging. Okay. Your curveball should be able to come down that exact same tunnel. That's the next pitch you throw at 15 feet. It moves out of the zone. You already, as a hitter, made your decision to swing and thinking that's your another drop ball, and it's not. Mm -hmm. So the later you can make your break, late and sharp break is going to win over slow and swoopy break every day of the week. And it's got to do with when does it display its break? How good is your hitter how good is your hitter's mechanics how long do they get to look at the ball so
0: so um, there's th-
1: there are several mm-hmm. tunnels but i just hit two of the most basics
0: now i that was so good because and as you're talking i'm thinking about how when i when i when i have in, when i have this in mind when i have this tunneling thing in my mind i'm thinking about what i'm telling my hitters constantly and my hitters will tell you i constantly throughout a lesson throughout a, throughout a hitting session I'm constantly saying, shorter, shorter, shorter. shorter." And and, and I know that your long swing, you don't think your swing is long because you're playing against mediocre pitchers and you can see that curveball coming from around the corner. But I know that one day you're going to face a real pitcher and you're going to be in the real world one day and your swing is going to be way too long to be able to hang with pitchers who understand this. So I'm constantly like, short, shorter. And I know know my kids are like, they're sick of me saying it. But it's because I know (laughs) the longer your swing is, the earlier, the the harder it is to stop your swing.
1: Harder to stop. Yep. The earlier you have to start it, the less time to recognize what the pitch is. Where's the location... What's the speed? What's the movement?
0: And it's hard to get hitters that are having success in travel ball right now to understand. Well, why do I got to be shorter? Because you're not going to see this. This is this is easy. Yeah. <laughs> the next level. The next level of pitching is. It's. It's. You don't even know. You don't even understand this tunneling thing. So. So yeah. So question. Yes. Does a rise ball rise? Wait, wait, you didn't say that loud enough.
1: <laughs> no. Okay, man, I've been in that argument a million times, okay? I used so- to be on the wrong side of the equation of that because I, I came from the elite men's level, and if, if you tell an elite man that, uh, like, an, an Adam Folkert or a Peter Meredith kind of rise ball doesn't rise, they'll say, you are crazy. Well, it doesn't. Physics just throws it. It can't. It just does not. Mm-hmm. drop as much as you think it should as you think it should so you're going to swing under it every day of the week yeah a good rise ball offsets about 30% of the gravitational pull well 30 yep. percent's a lot okay yeah right. so yeah love a rise ball love
0: it um I have a question I can't think of this guy's name um but he was the Yankees hitting coach Back in, let me see. I'm actually looking it up now. Yankees hitting coach. Um, I'll probably say 2000, a year 2000. Um, it's not. It's not. It's not coming up with it. Okay. So anyway. So. So my question was, my my, my my what I was gonna say I was gonna open with this. I was at I was in I was in Arizona at when I do some consulting with the Seattle Mariners and the San Diego Padres. So I'm at the, you know, we're out to dinner with, this is about maybe like, I would say probably like two weeks before spring training. And we're out in Arizona and some, some of the pitchers and catchers have already arrived. And a lot of the hitters that just want to get extra work in, they were in town. And I think we might've been in Peoria, Peoria, Arizona. Um, oh, nice. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, Arizona's beautiful all year round yeah. um so we're we were I mean we it, would be, it was like 20 hitting coaches literally like about 20 hitting coaches from all different MLB teams and we shut down an Outback restaurant one night just kind of talking hitting <laughs> and um I think I was the only softball guy there like softball guy you know and yeah. um I can't think of a guy's name who was the Yankees hitting coach at that time. So he comes. He comes and sits. oh he comes and sits right next to me and goes, "So, softball, huh?" I said, "Yeah, I'll do a little bit, little, little bit of softball." And he goes, "So, tell me about this rise ball."
1: <laughs> Every baseball guy wants to know about that.
0: <laughs> they want to know about the rise ball because well, they, it, they have
1: they have it in baseball. It's a four seam fastball.
0: It's a four seam fastball with a really high spin rate.
1: Yeah,
0: and yeah. it's the, it's the same pitch. A 14 fastball with a really high spin rate is the same pitch as a rise ball. Yep, spin axis is the same. It's the yeah. exact same. So, I think, you know, back then I didn't know that because it was we, we weren't talking about spin rates back then, <laughs> you yeah, know, sure. like we like we are now. But I knew it because I understood, um, you know, sp- velocity and how fast the ball is actually spinning. We I we just didn't call it spin rate, and. um And it was at that point that I really realized when talking to him about what hitters think they see versus what they see um, are two different things. But, you know, I I don't believe that it rises. And I want people to understand that when people say I have a rise ball. No, you have a high fastball. And, And then some people have a ball with a higher spin rate than others. So it really doesn't break as much as some others do break. So it's like that's a good rise ball. Do you who who would you say had the best rise ball you've ever seen? And I and I've asked this question to a lot of people, by the way. And I, and are, I,
1: you talk, are you talking females?
0: Yes, in so in college softball, or softball period pro whatever. Who would you say? Start with college, and then we'll go to pro, and it could be the same person who had the best rise ball you have ever seen. You know
1: I'm buyer.
0: <laughs> It's okay. Sarah okay. I would really, you know, <laughs> I would probably agree. Yeah. Sec- she, uh, what about had college? She right
1: combination of, mm-hmm. uh, which is rare. Mm-hmm. She actually had a, a spin axis, which was, you know, pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Her spin rate was pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she could throw her rise ball with that kind of spin rate, spin axis at 67, 68 miles an hour. Most kids, when they throw their rise ball at an elevated velocity, they they lose their spin axis, so it becomes a gyro.
0: Can, can you talk about spin axis? I was going to say that before you said that. Can you talk a little oh. bit about? I mean, I I don't want to keep you on here all day. You let me know when you know when you got to go because we're already at hour and ten. Yeah. And I knew, I okay, I knew this was going to take long. That's why I wanted it to have time because there's so much things yeah. that I want to unpack. We're going to have to probably do another part too soon. But this would be the last thing. I've, talk to us about spin axis because most oh, people yeah. don't realize because in hitting it's the same thing you, I, have, I have exit velocity but I also have the spin rate of, for exit velocity and I also have my spin direction and yeah. that contributes to my distance so exit velocity yeah. by itself doesn't contribute to distance because I can have right. a lower exit velocity and more distance True. because of my spin rate and my spin direction Mm-hmm. which is a whole other thing we, we get to. Yeah. That. So pitching, spin axis, why, why is it important real quick?
1: Well, spin axis, uh, again, it's laws of physics. Uh, yep. The ball is, gonna, ball is going to move perpendicular to the axis of rotation. So I'll use uh, drop ball and rise ball. A, a great drop ball and a great rise ball have the exact same spin axis, which would be perfectly horizontal to the ground. <clears throat> okay. Now, one's spinning clockwise, the other one's spinning counterclockwise. So they're identical spin axis. Okay. That's your, and then on top of that, your spin axis has another component that, you know, again, I'll use the, the DK people. Okay. They've figured out the axis of rotation is most efficient. The ball movements are most efficient when the axis of rotation is perpendicular to the flight path of the ball. Okay, so if you're throwing a ball straight down the middle of the plate and if your axis is perpendicular, you're going to have the most movement. If your axis is tilted and it's not perpendicular, if it tilts too much, pretty soon you get what's called a gyro spin. And mm. we all know gyro, that's a bullet spin. bullet spin. Bullets are designed to go straight. Okay, that's that's <laughs> why we call it a bullet spin. Yeah. And so unfortunately I, I mean, I'm getting off of my pedals to my my podium here you'll listen to an awful lot of announcers on ESPN or whatever in a softball game and it'll be ooh and on about a girl's beautiful rise ball spin and then they'll show it in slow motion and you're going to see the most beautiful circle spinning back or you know like a, like a bullet mm-hmm. Now, the, their circle, that's their axis of rotation. that That's a gyro, okay? If it's off-center a little bit, the ball's gonna lift a little. And if you throw it 70 miles an hour, you'll be pretty effective. Now, if that same young lady had true backspin, had their axis, horizontal with the ground, perpendicular to the ball flight, mm-hmm. the best hitter in the world would not be able to hit them if they threw it up in 70 miles an hour i don't I don't care how good you are uh you might get lucky, but mm-hmm. typically not axis of rotation huge in ball movement, okay not you know we, we used to love and i I still do I love rev fire because it gave you spin rate mm-hmm. but spin rate's only good if your axis of rotation is where it needs to be where it needs to be yeah
0: that's that sounds good and
1: and that separates i'm going to say that separates the men from the boys yeah, great. Oh, your ball spun really good. Okay. But you got like a, a 33% efficiency. Mm-hmm. So how do we, how do we get that up to 70 or 75% or 80? Right. You know, that's, that's the tricks of the trade right mm-hmm. there.
0: Mm-hmm. So how can, how can my listeners get in touch and sign up, sign up for your courses? I know you have this online academy. Um, uh, you have, uh, pitching certification courses for different levels, intermediate, advanced. You have all these technology courses on and how to break stuff down in pitching. Um, I, I, several of my students fly to come and see you regularly. Um yeah. Um, and I got a, I got another kid that has to get in with you. We got to talk about that. We'll talk about that later. She's trying to get all in. Right. She can't get in. I'm like, I just got to get. you just, just got to get in, and then you you'll come. But you got to see this kid. She's special. Um, excuse me. Um, uh, so now now. How do we get in touch with you website, social media, Facebook? Sure. Uh,
1: the best thing to do is is probably go to the website and, and just, um, you know, tool around the website and see what we have. Uh, the website is, uh, of course, www. It's polygirlfastpitch, all one word, polygirlfastpitch.com. And you go in there and you look and see what we have to offer. You mentioned uh, we, we, we have programs where we will actually – Certify you we have two levels of certification an intermediate and an advanced Mm -hmm. intermediate is basic pitching mechanics the advanced Which you have to do intermediate before you can do advanced advanced Mm -hmm. is all the fancy stuff. How do you make a ball move? Okay Now if you're just mom and dad and your kid comes up to you one day you're sitting on the couch drinking coffee and she says Hey dad, uh, I want to learn how to pitch and so you want to go in the backyard with your daughter and teach her how to pitch and you don't know anything, we have a beginner course that will step you through. It's real short, but it's really basic. It's really good. And then if you want to get really excited, you can jump up and we have a, we have a, a pro level. That's not a certification level yet, but that's got all the fancy stuff, all the 4D motion, all the DK stuff, all the performance measures. And then uh, I've got a, uh, a section in there on, on kinematic motion that's all the 40 motion stuff so you go there or polygirl fast pitch on facebook uh, same thing but uh, yeah um, I was talking to a guy this morning and I'll use his words he says he's in this for the passion and uh, (laughs) I guess I would I hope hope that's why I'm in it I really Mm -hmm. am passionate about pitching I'm passionate about teaching pitching mechanics that work with the design of your body Mm -hmm. not not some of the obtuse-looking things that I see on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and any and certification-wise, I think uh, we've been into the program for a little over two years now. I think we have about 160 coaches that have gone through at least one level, if not two levels, of certification. So, uh, we're trying to get the word out and help kids, help parents. Uh, like I say, we're trying to help these kids be all they can be. That's right. That's that's the plan.
0: Alright, well I really appreciate your time. This has been more than like, you don't even know. Like I've been trying to get I've been saying to myself, I gotta get I gotta get Dr. Paul on here. This I have to get this, I gotta get this guy on him. That we finally pulled it off. So part one, done. Part one in the books. This is a one right. of four, one of four. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we're, if, with four, we'll probably just barely scratch the surface.
0: I know it's I'm so up, much. I'm up
1: for it. I'm up for it. Let's it's, do a two sometime for
0: it's, sure. It's so much. So I really appreciate you, man, and um, enjoy your weekend. And I, we will be in touch soon. All right. Take care.
1: Good all talking all right, with you, Ryan. All right. Have
0: a good Bye-bye. one. Bye.